Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. But the other thing that happens around the holidays is the fear and the depression that sets in, doesn't it? I mean, like I even find myself, and I don't, you know, probably just thinking back to past Christmas and Thanksgiving experiences that weren't so rosy, that that stuff just sticks in your heart, you know? You feel like you've moved past it, but then those small little triggers happen, and the next thing you know, you just kind of feel, Mike had a good word for it, melancholy. You know, it may not be quite a depression for you or, or, or that dark, but you just, mm, the mood just kind of dampens down a little bit. And so what they do, they throw on It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm thinking, you know, that is so simple, but that is so profound because you choose what you put in here and in here and in here, and it will affect what's going on out here. It just does, you know. If we could get good at having, knowing that we can choose our reality and we can have things in our lives that influence us and snap us out of our funk, say funk, it would be good stuff, right? Yes. One thing that happens during the holidays that I thought was interesting is the uh, heart attacks increase by like 30%. People are more stressed. I, I, I kind of just jumped from fun to I should be a little bit. That was a little abrupt. Yeah. Um, but it gets dark, right? And we have to watch out for that stuff. And I'm not, not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, you know, because of your past or whatever, what, whatever it might be, maybe even current situation and all the stuff that gets imposed on us in the holidays, it's just you either feel forced or you don't feel like you can do what you want to do or it reminds you of all the stuff that used to happen or just something. It just, you know, it should be a joyous season, but it's not for a lot of people. And one of the biggest things that creeps in is fear. And so this is what I've been hearing all week long is, is just the passage. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many of you have been hearing that over the last couple of weeks? Yeah. And all the prophets said amen. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, even, even Adam was praying this morning. I don't think I shared with him what I was going to be speaking on. And he was praying. In line. I keep talking about them, and they walk in the door right when I talk about them. <laughs> Uh, but what he was praying was just, it's just right in line, you know. And, and uh, Jimmy actually inspired me last week with his, with his slides, so I made some graphics for y'all this week. Woohoo! But there's a statement that came to my mind when I was praying for this, over this series, and, and just how to, how to bring this. And that is, most of what we're afraid of never happens. Amen. You realize that? Amen. Most of what we're afraid of never happens. You just worry. You know, worry is not prayer. I prayed all night long. No, you didn't. You worried all night long. I've been praying for hours. No, you've been worrying for hours. Prayer ends with confidence in a joyful, hopeful, expected end. Confident that God is who he says that he is, and he will do what he's promised he would do, and he upholds what he has done. If, that, if, if at the end of your prayer session, you're not focused on Jesus and walking away with a sense of confidence that 
this can change in a minute, then you're not praying, you're worrying. But fear creeps in. But fear is not from God. I will ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have fear has been a just a constricting thing in your life at some point or another? Yeah, nearly everybody. I know when I was going through my <clears throat> psychosis, um, hearing voices and all this crazy stuff, I, if you haven't heard my story, I'll give you a book. You can read it, and hopefully you don't see me in a different light after you read it. But <laughs> I, I, It's always funny because I'll run into people, and they're like, I'm reading your book, and I'm like, Okay, where's he, where are we going? Because it's just such a weird story. I actually forget that I wrote that story until people remind me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And, they're, but, and it's weird because people always say, I'm halfway through it, and I'm like, well, you're almost over the weird part. You're getting to the good part. But fear was so... So to the tune of this where I would wake up and I would feel oppression on me, and I would literally feel like demonic entities tormenting me like one would be trying to pull me off the bed and one would be sitting on my back and and I'd hear like slayer music in the background and I'd already gotten rid of all those kinds of CDs you know and I'm like where's that coming from and it, Jesus you know as soon as Jesus would come out of my mouth it would stop Amen. and people have the you a lot of you have had those kinds of experiences but you don't you don't want to tell anybody it's all right we know you had one now you just told on yourself sorry <laughs> But it happens, and fear, so fear for me, I was afraid to let my foot hang off the bed. You ever been there? I mean, like, you build up something so huge in your mind that it's real to you. It becomes a reality inside of you. And I remember, I got fed up with it. I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm just going to let my foot hang off the bed because what I thought was, what? I'm going to grab me and pull me. My, my psychosis was pretty out there, but we have these fears that we get built up in our minds. Some may actually have the potential to come true, some don't. But where you go with it in your mind has everything to do with how you're going to react to it and how you're going to choose life or fear or death. So I remember there'd be a time where I'd just go ahead and let my foot hang off and I would be shaking. I mean, just shaking, so fearful that I figured out that within just about two minutes, that emotion would run its course, and, it, and then my thoughts would change. And I would realize, okay, well, nothing happened. What the heck was I afraid of? What's wrong with me? And so I started to apply that in my life, and now I've learned since then that, that that's actually a, like, like a... Like a, a mind shift thing that you can do. It's, there's a lot of studies in psychology that go into if you can stop yourself for two minutes, just interrupt the pattern for whatever it is that you're thinking for two minutes, whether it's, you know, you're afraid and you're about to make a bad financial decision or you're about to say something really stupid to your spouse or you're, you know, you're being tempted by whatever it is. If you can just stop yourself for two minutes and focus on a different reality, a different future, you're more likely to choose the future that you're meditating on than what you were. But what we do is we just give in. We just, boom, we just let that fear take over. We let that temptation happen. We let that pride kick in. And all those neuro patterns run, and boom, we end up 
what just happened, you know? And so we beat ourselves up over and over and over again. But two minutes, I remember talking about this, and, and some of you, you know, have remembered it, and I hope, hope you apply it, but it literally takes only about two minutes for you to just stop, let that emotion run its course. It's almost like you own the emotion. You know, a lot of times what we try to do, we try to fight stuff and resist it and push it away. It's like, no, no, just ignore it. It's like, no, Be, beat it. Own it and defeat it. Amen. Own it and defeat it. Because Jesus owned it and defeated it for you. Amen. You live in his victory. Amen? Now, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I can't tell you how to do that. But it's a choice that you have to choose yourself. So let's look at a couple of these things here. I'm going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read 6 through 12. Uh, for this read, so Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. The Apostle Paul has been arrested again for his faith, and he's writing to Timothy. He wants Timothy to come visit him. And Timothy's probably afraid to come visit him because he doesn't want to get arrested or persecuted or whatever. And so this is kind of the, the overseer encouraging this young pastor uh, in how to think about these kinds of things and how to look at what he's going through. So Paul's encouraging Timothy, hey, here's how to see it. So 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, For this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. Now, where we're going today is dealing with fear and dealing with those overwhelmed feelings. And this 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 12 has a few keys in it. I've highlighted them in blue for you to remember, and we'll put this in the blog when they go out. But remember this as you're facing whatever it is that you have to face. Fear of the future, fear of whatever financial decisions you need to make. Maybe you got that tax bill coming up and you don't know how you're going to pay it. Whatever it is, you know. Fear can be conquered because of these factors right here. This reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. Now, let me just stop for just a minute. What does that look like for you? What do you do to fan into flame the gift of God? I want you, you know, this is participatory, all right? I mean, we could just come and I can make you feel good for a minute and leave, but I want you to actually Amen. apply some stuff. What does it look like for you to fan into flame the gift of God? Now, the gift of God being the Spirit of God in you. Not just, oh, you have something that you don't, and your gift is more special than that one, and you secretly desire that one, and maybe you can get him to give you, you know, all that competitive, weird stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking mostly just about the Spirit of God in you. The fact that the Spirit of the living God dwells within you. So what does that look like? How do you stir that up? How do you fan into flame the gift of God? Maybe, maybe you put on It's a Wonderful Life. You know, maybe you listen to one of my sermons. I don't know. Worship music. She just skipped right over the sermon. Pray in the Spirit. That's a big one. If you don't pray in the Spirit, I highly encourage you to pray in the Spirit. If it, you've been taught that it's of the devil, come talk to me. We'll work that out. But what does it take for you? I mean, you know, because I don't want you to just be victims of life. I don't want you to just give in to your circumstances. I want you to overcome them. I don't want fear ever again to win in your life. Amen. 
because you first fan into flame the gift of God, all right? Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, that's a whole different kind of thing. I'm just not even going to go there today. But the point is, when you believe on God, you get the Spirit of God in you in full. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in Christ, and Christ is in you. Amen? So there's not pieces of the Holy Spirit that you get as people pray for you and lay hands on you, and you get more anointing and more impartations and all that kind of stuff. I just, I did, I went there anyway, didn't I? I just went ahead and went there. But. So you get all of God. Say, I have all of God. All right, verse 7, for the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Now, this is the NIV. I'm going to read a couple of different uh, translations of that particular verse, but I, I just like the way that it says this. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Have you ever seen that? Translation of sound mind, self-discipline. Think about it. Self-discipline brings about a sound mind. This word for sound mind is actually translated in a few different ways, and we'll get there in just a minute. So let's keep going. Verse 8. So do not... Now we're looking at factors of overcoming fear because this is what he's talking about. Fan into flame the gift of God. Fear is not from God. He's given you power and self-discipline. Verse 8, do not be ashamed, and the root word here for this word ashamed is dishonor. So do not be ashamed or dishonor the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now state, well, let's see, I think that's all together, yeah. So this is the only kind of suffering God endorses if you are persecuted for your faith. No other suffering does God endorse. Losing your job, cancer showing up in your family, your dog being sick, which is a huge deal for some people. You know what I mean? Like suffering is, well, you know, I'm just going through this divorce right now. I'm really suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You're not suffering for God. God's not getting glory out of your divorce. The only glory that God gets out of any suffering is when you're persecuted for your faith. That's it. End of story. Now, I realize that a lot of people do not believe that and will go out of their way to make difficult situations in their lives a product of God putting you through something to cause suffering, to bring glory to Him, but you cannot find that anywhere in Scripture. The only kind of suffering God endorses is for your faith, persecution for your faith. Verse 9, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Interesting. Verse 10, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. So this is another factor in overcoming that fear. Uh, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus has destroyed death. I mean, like, what's our biggest fear as humans? Death, right? And if Jesus has destroyed it, 
and it's a reality to us that we will never taste death, but we transition Amen. from here to there, and you never taste death. I, I don't know that we really grasp what that means for us. You know, that, I mean, there's going to come a moment for all of us when our spirit leaves our body, right? You, this, this, in, this corruptible must put on incorruptible, however that happens. That's coming for all of us. So the moment that we call death, we really should change the name of it and just call it transition. He transitioned in 2014, right? He didn't die in 2014. There is no death for those who are in Christ. Amen? So when you're facing these, so, so Paul's encouraging this young man, and he's saying, look, fan into flame the gift of God. Jesus has conquered death. Have these thoughts in your mind when you're facing whatever it is that you're afraid of. Even if you've created a horrific mess and you must face your consequences, you own it but it doesn't own you. You don't let the fear of that thing rob your joy, rob your peace. It's just, okay, this is where we're going now. This is, what, this is where my choices in life have brought me, and I'm going to own this, and I'm going to take responsibility, but I'm not going to let fear overwhelm me and overcome me, even in the face of whatever that might be, the darkest scenario. Verse 11 and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have trusted him until that day. Amen. So that's the last factor. Go back to the previous slide if you would. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. What does that look like for you? See yourself going through this process. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And what is that testimony? Next one. That testimony is that he's destroyed death. Amen. I'm immortal. Say, I'm immortal. Amen. Now, not just having those thoughts, but letting that change how you actually feel and letting that change how you react to what that thing is that's in front of you that's causing the fear. Let's look at just a couple of um, different translations of uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. The King James, we all mostly know the King James. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you have a sound mind. NIV, for the spirit of God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then God's Word translation says, God didn't give us a cowardly spirit. Anybody see the cowardly line in that one? You're not, you don't have a cowardly spirit, Amen. but power, love, and good judgment. So sound mind is self-discipline and good judgment. Not being afraid, or not fear not being from God, but power being from God and his love for you is directly related to you being able to make good choices. So if you want to make good choices, you got to stand in the power that God has given you, wrapped in his love for you, and in that environment, you tend to make better choices. I have a statement here. If you want to skip down, I'm jumping around for you. But when you're afraid, you tend to make limited choices. Think about that. Self-preservation. 
But when you're confident or powerful feeling, you tend to make good choices or healthy choices. You tend to move forward in those situations. So why should I avoid fear and choose power? All right, I'm going to read some techie stuff to you. You ready? This is like what fear does to you. Those of you that struggle with fear, those of you that have to feel like you're fighting fear, even, even if it's just fear of the future, you know, even if it's just fear of what might happen to your kids once they leave the house, things like that, you know, real life things that, that creep in and, and we meditate and we dwell on those things and we create a whole reality for that future that probably will never even happen. This is what fear does. <clears throat> fear is a human emotion that's triggered by a perceived threat. It's a basic, this is, this is from a psychology, a psychological document I got here. It's a basic survival mechanism that signals our bodies to respond to danger with a flight or f fight or flight response. As such, it's an essential part of keeping us safe. You know, fear is an attempt to protect yourself. Forgetting that God is your protector. Now, it doesn't mean you just throw fear to the wind and live recklessly, but this is what it's doing to you, right? So you've got a choice. Choose power or choose fear. However, when people live in constant fear, whether from physical dangers in their environment or threats they perceive, they can become incapacitated. A lot of us are afraid that God is going to become disappointed in us. So we just never, we just try to stop. You just try not to make a mistake, right? But in this message, once you know that God is not disappointed in you because you are in Christ, God knew what he was getting when he paid for your sin and adopted you into his family. He already knows. He already knows every detail about you. He knows those things that you don't even let yourself admit about you. There's no need to be afraid of God. If you're afraid of God, it just shows that you don't yet know how much he loves you. There's no fear in his love for you. Amen? I mean, think about that. When angels would show up, direct messengers from God, what would they say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. That's the message from heaven. Don't be afraid. There's more, there's more to that than just don't be afraid of God. It's actually destructive for you. Fear prepares us to react to danger. Once we sense a potential fear, our body releases hormones. Now, this is interesting because when you let yourself feel fear, you're actually locking yourself into inactivity or trying to protect yourself, and when you try to protect yourself, you're actually resisting what God can lead you into. This is what those hormones do when you're afraid. Uh, it slows or shuts down functions not needed for survival, such as your digestive system. That's practical because it's like, you know, you're not getting the nutrients out of your food when you're letting yourself be afraid all the time. In fact, that's one of the reasons why God says when you pray over your food to be thankful or when you eat, be thankful. It doesn't say pray to bless it. Actually, it says receive it with thanksgiving. There was a study done of people in their emotional state of mind when they were eating and the, the, the emotion of gratefulness and the attitude of thankfulness actually puts your body physiologically in the best state to receive and process food. Fear, however, shuts down your digestive system. So when you pray, check yourself. I mean, when you eat, 
right? When you eat, a lot, you, you'll be surprised how much fear people have when they eat. You're sitting there and you're eating, and it's a, it's a self-condemning process for a lot of people. I mean, some of you don't, don't get that at all, but for some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You're sitting there eating, and you are afraid because of what it means about you, all the stuff that's going on. You're actually sending messages to your body that I'm not going to use this food properly. Um, and the hormones released in fear sharpens functions that might help us survive, such as eyesight, our heart rate increases, and blood flows to muscles so we can run faster, so that flight mode. Our body also increases the flow of hormones to an area of the brain known as the amygdala to help us focus on the presenting danger and store it in our memory. Now, those perceived threats that never come to pass, those things that we're afraid of that never come to pass, when you're focusing on them and you're thinking about them, how is this going to affect me? What is my future going to look like? What if I can't pay this bill? What if I get sick? What if this? What if that? You're actually, you're releasing hormones into your body and chemicals to help you focus on that thing so you will remember it. Do you want to remember those things? What do you want to remember? Fear is not from God. When you're afraid, tell yourself, fear, this is not from God. I have power. Because God loves me, I can make a good choice. Because God loves me, I am powerful, and I can make a good choice in anything, whatever that may be. Here's the impact of chronic fear. Living under the constant threat has serious health consequences. Now, this is kind of scary. Now, don't sit here and meditate on the fact that when you're afraid, you're killing yourself <laughs> because you have a choice. Because God loves you, you're powerful, and you can make a good choice. So, on your physical health, fear, because of the emotions and the chemicals and the hormones that it releases into your body when you sit in it, fear weakens your immune system and can cause cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers and irritable bowel syndrome, and decreased fertility. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. These are all lovely things. Don't, don't receive these things. I just want you to know you got a choice. Amen. There's more going on when you let yourself sit in fear. So on your memory, fear can impair formation of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of your brain. Yep. Brain processing and reactivity. Fear can interrupt processes in our brains that allow us to regulate emotions. You ever seen that in someone? They're so afraid that you just can't reason with them. Like people are so focused on this potential future and they're so afraid, it actually, what's going on in their brain keeps them focused on that thing where you can't even talk to them because they're looking at this thing and, and it's like you're, you're, you're distracting their focus on this future. You ever seen that? Have you ever done that? Are you that person? Everybody went from this to... <laughs> uh, all right, so... And read nonverbal cues and other information presented to us. Let me just read that whole thing. Fear can interrupt processes in our brains that allow us to regulate emotions, read nonverbal cues, 
So in other words, be socially adjusted. And other information presented to us, reflect before acting and act ethically. Fear actually affects your capacity to act ethically. Now, if we were to get down to it, and that sin that so easily besets you and causes you to stumble, I would bet there's a moment of fear before you tread on into that thing. And a lot of times we choose to give over to the temptation and engage in the sin because we, have a, we feel some sense of control over ourselves in that moment, even though you might think you're out of control. It's weird how it works on us, so watch out. I mean, you know, fear, don't let it take root. This impacts our thinking and decision-making in negative ways, leaving us susceptible to intense emotions and impulsive reactions. You ever done anything crazy when you were afraid? All of these effects can leave us unable to act appropriately, act a fool and otherwise. So mental health, this is the last one. Other consequences of long-term fear include fatigue, depression, and PTSD. So what's the solution? Throw on It's a Wonderful Life. I'm, I'm using his example. I mean, seriously, do you know how to position your world around you to help you and empower you to snap out of it and go a different direction? I'm telling you, if we could just learn that single principle, stop for two minutes, stop, own where you are, don't judge yourself for it, realize Jesus conquered death. What else is there to be afraid of? All right, I'm going to stir up the spirit of the living God within me because grace will come alive and influence me and begin to speak. Oh, there's a scripture that I remember. Next thing you know, man, I am seeing a different reality than I was two minutes ago. I'm seeing a different potential future for myself that's based on truth. God told you the truth. Meditate on it until that is what you expect or what you're looking for. Because your brain is going to focus on whatever it is that you sit and let yourself meditate on. And it's not that hard, you know. You don't have to get in some deep process to go through this thing. It's just like, nope, whatever it is for me, I'm going to arrest this moment. I'm going to stop. I'm going to choose what I'm thinking about. And what we know physiologically is within two minutes, if you will hold your focus on the truth or that alternate potential future, your physical body will begin to serve you to go that direction. God's pretty smart. We mysticize a lot of this process, you know. It's like, God, give me a word. You ever prayed for somebody to call you and give you a word? Give yourself a word. Stop it. Because God loves you, you're powerful, and you can make a good choice. Remembering that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. So, here's another. Y'all want a silly little exercise? Can I, can I give you a silly one? Sure. All right. <clears throat> there was a study done on what's called power poses. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> These are power poses. 
I started to put like Wonder Woman or Superman or these things, but they all just were way too distracting. So <laughs> I went with the outline that you can barely see. Now, I, I have a reason for showing you this, right? So let, let's try it. Everybody stand up. I'm just going to make you I'm just going to make you feel silly right here in the middle of church. Amen. Put your hands on your hips. Poke your chest out. Lift up your chin. Take a deep breath. Exactly. Oh! All right, sit down. Watch what happens. This is this is there's science behind this. As silly as that is, there's science behind this. So in power poses, they did. A, they actually, they. I think it was. I have the research of who did it. I did for some reason I left it out of my notes. Some university in the northeast did a study on these poses. Now, if I were to show you two curtains here, now let's say there's one curtain here and there's one curtain over here, and behind this curtain is somebody that's depressed and afraid. What do they look like? Head down. Shoulders slumped. What else? How are they breathing? Shallow breathing. They're not breathing. Now, what is this person that's confident and powerful? What does that person look like? Happy. Deep breathing. Smiling. Shoulders back. Hmm? Talking fast. I mean, it's like we just see the difference, right? Now, we think that those stances are the product of what we're feeling. But is it? Watch, this is interesting. So in these power poses, there was a study done. What they did was they, had pe- they would test people's saliva to check for the hormones and the chemicals that were in their saliva, have them do these power poses for two minutes, and then measure it again. Higher levels of testosterone in both men and women lead to increased feelings of confidence. So these are, the, these are the hormones at play here. Meanwhile, lower levels of cortisol lead to decreased anxiety and an improved ability to deal with stress. Guess what happened in these power stances? Testosterone went up, cortisol went down across the board, men or women. Their physiology changed just based on how they were standing. First, a saliva sample was taken from each subject and their testosterone and cortisone levels were measured. Second, the subject was asked to sit in either a high power or low power pose for two minutes. And then third, a second sample of saliva was taken to each subject and their testosterone and cortisone levels were measured again. When the researchers looked at the results, they were stunned by the impact that the body language had on the hormones within the body. High power poses increased testosterone by 20%. And low power, and and the high power pose also decreased cortisol by 25%. Now, what's the point of that? Not to necessarily put you in your Superman pose every morning, (laughs) but it is way simpler than you realize to choose life and choose victory. But will you do what it takes, even if it's silly? Like, will you know that because fear is not from God, will you let that empower you to stir up that gift, whether stirring up that gift is some stupid pose 
that actually has a physiological change on your body, will you choose that? Or you just kind of just going to sit here and feel bad for a little while. I'm going to sit in my pity party. I'm just going to feel depressed for a little while. You can do that if you want to. Or you can change it. And it only takes about two minutes. When you feel more powerful, when you feel more confident, when you feel less stressed, you tend to choose, you make better decisions. You choose life. You tend to focus on the truth. You tend to expect a hopeful future for yourself. You know, and it's not just about dominance. This, there's a quote here. Power, you have that one, power. Power is not just about being dominant. It's also about how you react to stress. If you feel powerful, you won't be taken down by stress. So I'm jumping all around. He's keeping up with me. There's this mind renewal exercise here, if you'll go to that one, with the kid with the cape. Hold these things in your mind. So I want you to go ahead and pick an idea in your life that you're going to be facing tomorrow morning. you got a decision to make. You're going to this job. Whatever it is for you that might cause fear, might cause anxiety, maybe a little depression, and see yourself doing this in the face of that thing. And this is just straight out of what Paul taught Timothy. His context was in prison, being persecuted for his faith. And that, might, that may or may not happen to you, but we can take those principles and apply them to our own lives, and, and this is what it can look like. God's Spirit's in me. Fear is not from God. Say that. Fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. And honoring Jesus. I honor Jesus by remembering that he destroyed death. There's nothing to be afraid of. God makes me powerful. And God guards what I give to him. You know, I mean, we can actually trust him. Fear is not from God. God makes me powerful in the face of fear. Because, you know, I want you to remember this. Because God loves me, or fear is not from God, fear is not from God, and because God loves me, I can make a good choice. Something like that. You have to let you, you have to position yourself to be empowered. And I'm telling you, that is what grace is. Grace is a decision. It's a choice. Grace is available. Grace is like a cool stream running through your house that you can choose to drink from or not. Grace is a river of influence and power that is within you. And if you can just stop yourself for just a minute or two, and, and shift your focus and let that grace work within you. See, a lot of us, the God thing is a distant part of our life. It's a distant part of our reality. You know, we, we say we pray, we go to church, we do these things. But are we actively engaged with the spirit of the living God within us? All of this really just boils down to one thing. You can stop yourself and choose life, and choose grace based on what Jesus paid for for you to have. I'm not talking you just make some random promise up. I mean, whatever you're dealing with, 
you find a promise that is directly related to that issue in your life and you meditate on it for at least two minutes and you let that grace come alive in your power pose or whatever you want to do that works for you and watch what happens. I, I want you to try it this week. Will you do that? Yeah. And, I, and I want to hear. If you're in the Facebook church, Facebook group, jump in there and post in there. I want to hear how it went for you. I want, I want to hear a testimony of you are facing something, whether it be fear, temptation, depression, something, and you stopped yourself, you chose a different reality based on what is in God's word, a promise for you that's in Christ, and it changed how you felt and you went a different direction. Now, you can do that with everything. Amen. Now, that's not magically going to solve your problems. But what it's going to do is put you in the best position to hear and follow God. Amen. Are you with me? You saw what fear does. But what standing in power and being aware of God's truth will do is it will cause you to make better choices and better decisions. God has not given you a, a spirit that makes you timid. He's given you love, power, and good judgment. And when you feel loved and you feel powerful, you're going to make a good choice. So can you put yourself in a position to be influenced by His love and let that power rise up? It's your choice. It is the secret to transformation. It is the secret to peace. It is the secret to salvation in every aspect, healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation, everything. It is the secret to clarity for your future. Amen. Knowing that you're loved and feeling powerful, and that's it. Amen. And seeing that promise that's available for you. Do you have an area picked out? Should we do our power pose again? Yeah. <laughs> she likes it. She likes it. 25% of you really like it. Half of you are like, I can do this. The other half are, mm, I'm not doing that again. But, but I want you to do it, even if you're laughing at yourself. You've got something this week? Realize God gave me a body, and if I guide it toward Him and His truth, it will line up with where He wants me to go. My body, I can choose where, what I'm going to feel and what I'm going to think. Amen? Will you do it? All right. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the knowledge of how our body works. We thank you for the wisdom that is in your word and how we can put those two things together and be empowered by you, by your spirit. We know that fear is not from you, but because you love us, we are powerful and we can make a good choice. And when I feel like that this choice is too much for me, that just tells me I'm not feeling powerful and I'm not feeling loved in this moment. I am not going to make this decision until... I'm aware of your love for me, and I feel empowered by you. I mean, I'm just going to stop my prayer for just a minute. And, and that, that's key. Don't make decisions while you're afraid. Don't make decisions while you're confused. Don't make that decision until in that situation you are aware of God's love for you and you feel powerful in that moment, you feel confident in that moment, that it can turn out for your good, and then you make that decision because you're going to make a better decision. Don't trust yourself making decisions in fear and in worry and confusion. And if you say, well, that's all I'm ever in, <laughs> then two minutes will change it. Father, we thank you for that. 
We just turn our hearts toward you. We trust you. We love you.